Welcome to episode 20 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And this week we will be stepping into the world of supplementary canon and discussing chapters 1 through 4 of FCE's The Rise of Kiyoshi. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and Rise of Kiyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers regarding the sequel novel, The Shadow of Kiyoshi, as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. If you would like to know how we are doing this week, go ahead and check out the Season 2 introduction. We thought it was a little redundant to kind of talk about how we're doing. Um, but yeah, that sounds good. Something's uh, up. It's still 2020. It's still 2020. It's still 2020 when, when, when we're, we're recording, recording this. But Happy New Year for those who are listening to it on the actual release date. I In hope 2021 is already treating you well. Yes. Yes. Um, if you also want to know what our Patreon tiers are like and what to expect from season two, go ahead and also listen to that season two introduction episode. We cover a lot of that stuff in there. But before we get into that news, let's cut. So a couple of things happened while we were on hiatus. Uh, Funko will be launching a brand new line named Pop Super, and the first one will be Avatar Aang All Elements. So Ooh. I was looking at the artwork for it, and it's basically just Aang in the last episode where he's like got all the all four elements fighting Ozai. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I just hope we we get an official like Bolin Funko Pop doll because we still don't have one. Yeah, I can't believe I don't have that yet. I was watching this girl on TikTok like make her own because there wasn't any, and I was just like, I would buy it. But yeah, that's really cool. I wonder if they're doing anything for like Korra or if it's just like they're picking like one thing from each like short TV show. Or I thought I saw a Funko Pop with Korra and all the elements, but maybe that's something somebody made. I'm not sure if that's official. I think they, ha- yeah, I think they had that for Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. I think their their Ang one is just like him on the air scooter or something. I'm not sure. I'll yeah. check that out. But yeah, I, I hope that they get more Funko Pops out there for, you know, the rest of the, the crew, which is the, the, you know, Team Avatar. Some people call them the crew with a K. So yeah. I hope they get more more, more love in the for the core universe anyway. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. And this is kind of big news. We're really excited about this. While we were on hiatus from the show, it was announced last December that Dark Horse Comics will be publishing a new standalone Avatar comic book titled Suki Alone which will focus on Suki's time in the Boiling Rock prison during season two and three of Avatar The Last Airbender. I am so excited for this. Finally, Suki Suki... gets the recognition she deserves. She deserves, exactly. I love this. I'm really interested to see what is going on in that prison during that time period in the show. Um, But this is really exciting. This standalone comic book will round out the female-led trilogy of Avatar comics like Guitar and the Pirate Silver, and Toph Beifong's Middle Bending Academy, and will debut sometime in 2021. But <laughs> needless to say, we will definitely be covering it at some point whenever we get to the comic books. We will be definitely covering this. I'm very excited about that, though. Like, I've been, I mean, like, I, I'm i interested, and, you know, I'm looking forward to reading, uh, you know, the comic books like Guitar and the Pirate Silver and, you know, Toph's Metal Bending Academy. But this is, like, I mean, besides Turf Wars, which is the core, the first set of Korra, novel, uh, Korra books, I should say, mm-hmm. um, this is probably the first, like, Avatar Universe comic book outside of Korra that I am super excited to read. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes, well, like I'm like uh, Andre mentioned before, uh, we do elaborate more on our Patreon in the introduction episode. But if you'd like to support us and the show while receiving some amazing benefits and exclusive content, you can subscribe to us at Patreon.com/slash The Avatar Hour Podcast. However, if you can't support us by way of monthly donations, you can of course subscribe to us for free on your podcast platform of choice and leave a review. We love it. 
And for those who are subscribed at the Air Acolyte level, you will also have access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, where this week we'll be discussing Cinema Wins' YouTube video, Everything Great About the Last Airbender Movie. Mm-hmm. Which should be interesting. Should be interesting. <laughs> I know we we've been talking about this movie a lot. I hope this is the last. Oh yeah, we should also we should also also plug that we did um talk to uh Christian on the With Wiz podcast about the Last Airbender, and we touched on some things that we didn't get to touch about uh uh talk about on our season one finale. So if you go want to go listen to that. That's the With Wiz podcast available on at, at least, I think, iTunes and Spotify. I don't know where else he's got it. But, um, yeah, definitely go out and listen to that. It was a lot of fun talking to Christian about the, the movie. Absolutely. Um, especially since um, Christian isn't quite as involved with the Avatar fandom as we are. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting to talk with someone who had, doesn't have the same attachment to this universe like we do. Uh, so, yeah, it was a very interesting discussion. And this is going to be – and so you can listen to us discuss the uh, you know that on his podcast. And you get to hear us talk about it for the third time <laughs> in like a month <laughs> on uh, Avatar After Hour on our Patreon. So go subscribe to our Patreon if you'd like access to that. Cool. And that is at the, again, at the Air Acolyte level for $5 a month. All right, let's get into it. Before we dive into the first chapter, the test, how did we feel reading about the world of Avatar rather than watching it? It was definitely a different experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. We're using, you know, you definitely got to use a little bit more of your imagination uh, when you're reading it rather than, you know, seeing it being presented to you in a visual way. Um, but I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I'm really excited that they're kind of tapping into this means of storytelling, uh, you know, especially since the original way of accessing this world was through a television show or television shows rather. So, mm-hmm. but it's nice to kind of step into this world at a different time period and, um, you know, in a different way. And yeah. I am very, very excited to be exploring Avatar Kiyoshi's backstory. Yeah, the one thing that really excited me was that the way FCE writes, he really engages, like, all of the senses when you're reading. Like, the you can, like, practically smell Yukoya Port or, like, kind of feel the walls of the Avatar estate. Like, the way he describes things is so synesthetic and, like, you can, I don't know, it, it just adds this whole other layer to the Avatar universe and it's really cool. The other thing that surprised me, not surprised me, but like something I had to get used to was the pacing of everything. Because now that we're reading an Avatar story in book form, the pacing is much more drawn out. Like these first four chapters in an Avatar episode would probably be like the first act or the first five or ten minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really really interesting to spend that kind of time within beats of the story to really like sink your teeth into the chapters i don't know it's it's really different it's really interesting um but yeah cool all right ready to start talking about it i'm ready if you are all right let's go right in we open on an earthbender named jinju entering yukoya port where he and his airbender friend kelsong are administering the air nomad avatar test so a couple of things we learn in the first couple of paragraphs avatar Kurik has been gone for seven years at this point and the next avatar after him has not been identified yet um, we do get a couple of name drops from some notable Avatar locations where they have looked, um, particularly the empty gem caverns below Bossing Say, which I'm assuming is where the season two finale takes place, and the Shiwang Desert, which is, I also believe, where they found the library. Um, but yeah, that was really cool to see. They they mentioned Bossing Say a lot. They mentioned Lu Beifong too, 
um yeah really cool to see like these little avatar like hints being dropped um another thing that we took away from this chapter is that the world is impure and abandoned by the spirit so you really get the sense that the lack of an identified avatar really throws things out of whack like did you pick up on that kayla when you were reading yeah it like um i mean it was just very like i mean obviously it was very interesting to see like a different like seeing this like hundred something years you know was it like 300 years before um atla takes place something Is that like right? that yeah something like you know 300 years before avatar takes place so just like yeah i mean it's because we've seen two different avatars as in like explored really explore the stories of two different avatars through the through the uh through the show for both through both uh atla and cora um so kind of seeing like kind of actually being able to see the process of them trying to find the avatar and showing exactly how important the role of the avatar is Mm -hmm. i mean we know it's important but like it's very interesting to see a world without the avatar and what and it's like you know you know you know like kind of like i'm kind of going off what you said but yeah i definitely got that sort of sense of like hopelessness i guess you know if we have another way of kind of describing it um the the desperation which is not unlike what it was like before ang finally came out of the iceberg so that's really interesting like how important it is for an identified avatar to be like present i guess um i did not think about that you're right yeah yeah it's really it's really interesting um and the biggest thing that is happening in this chapter is that They've, so they've been using the Earth cycle test to find the Avatar, but it hasn't worked so far. And this test is really interesting because I didn't even think about... I feel like we talked about it on the podcast at some point, like how other nations have their own tests and rituals. But the Earth cycle test we found out uses directional geomancy, which is Latin for Earth divination. And this is a method of divination that interprets markings on the ground or the patterns formed by tossing handfuls of, of soil, rocks, or sand to essentially zero in on the location of the avatar. I thought this was really cool. Me too. But I didn't think that it was, I mean, I kind of assumed because, well, we only see the avatar test for what mentioned for for Aang. I mean, Korra's discovery was a little bit different than, right. the, than the others. We don't really see how they found Cora. Mm-hmm. We just see what she's like when they find her. Uh, you know, but I personally was not expecting each of the nations to have a different means of test, but it really does show like how, you know, the different, obviously like how, you know, the separations between the nations and all that stuff, but it, you know, kind of having just the air nation. Cause I thought, I kind of assumed that the, the, the toys were used for each nation. That was mm-hmm. my assumption, but you know, clearly I have been disproven. Um, but it did kind of show like the value of, play within the air nation i thought that was super interesting and really kind of helped to enrich and also to you know explore the philosophies of each nation uh a little more i mean in theory the air nomad test could work but it's it's been mentioned it meant it's mentioned in this chapter how sacrilegious it is to use another nation's avatar test to identify another nation's avatar so i think that's really interesting it's a very like traditional rituals and it i mean like the air nomad test i mean it kind of plays into the the spirituality and the idea of the past lives sort of reaching out and picking the the relics from their own lifetimes so i kind of i kind of like it but it, it also makes me think what what do does the fire nation do what do the water tribes do you know exactly how did how did they identify roku like how does that work do they just watch them or you know 
so we get some some dialogue between Jinju and Kelsong, and we basically find out this is this is an illegal air nomad test. Um, mm. And we find out that using this test is just downright chaos when there's children involved, which is quite funny because, you know, they're they're saying to these kids, you can take four of these toys home. And then when they don't pick the right ones, they have to take them back to, you know, test the other kids. So I thought that was a, it's a very um, avatar like humor in that uh we meet this farmer's daughter that seems like she's going to pick the right avatar relics until she steps and tramples on the Thor toy she picks and i really thought this was funny that the the her father was like is this a paid position like is being the avatar can i get like 50 gold pieces a year and then 10 gold pieces if she's not the avatar i thought that was really funny oh yeah um the farmer and his daughter leave um and then Kelsong and Jinju, very like crestfallen that they almost found the avatar, they notice this orphan girl. And upon asking who she is, we found out her name is Kiyoshi. So this is her description in the in the book, which I thought was really um, interesting. So it reads, Upon hearing about the Avatar test, the families of the village had dressed their eligible children in their finest garments as if it were a festival day. But this child was wearing a threadbare coat with her elbows poking through the holes in the sleeves. Her oversized feet threatened to burst the straps of her two small sandals. So this kind of falls in line with like <laughs> like the giant like boots on the Kiyoshi Island and she had the largest like... feet of any avatar. Right, right. They mentioned like she's only she looks too old, like she's too tall to be, you know, seven years old or something like that. Um continuity. Continuity. <laughs> love it. Um and then so they try to get her to like come try it out. She picks up a clay turtle. She's very skittish, very like wary. Um, and before Jinju and Kilsong try to make her pick three more toys, Kiyoshi runs off with the clay turtle and they essentially lose uh, one of um, the Air Nation's most uh, culturally important relic. Um, and they, Kelsong is like, you know, maybe it'll come back to us eventually, someday. And then that's where the chapter ends. Um, yeah. And I also wanted to point out that, um, sorry, I, I finally remembered my train of thought that I lost earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book describes that at this point in the seven years into the Avatar cycle, there should have been a happy, burbling seven-year-old Earth Avatar in the care of their loving family, being watched over by a collection of some of the best, wisest benders of the world. A child in the midst of being prepared for the assumption of their duties at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. So clearly very different than the actual conditions that uh, Kiyoshi... Uh, started out in right yeah and i think i think it's really interesting we get more into it in chapter two but they have an idea of what the identified avatar should be should look like should should sound like even and it completely goes against what kiyoshi is as a character and i just think that's really interesting um the other thing i noticed is that while each nation has their own ritual they seem to agree that by age 16, the avatar should be, uh, is it starting training or it should be fully trained by 16? Do I you think, think? I think it's starting training because I think Aang, because Aang, you know, said like uh, Monkey Yacht said that he was too young to be the avatar. And then mm. like, there's like, oh, we're going to speed things up. Now we're moving the timeline ahead. Aang, you're going to go train at the next air, at the, you know, the next gotcha. air temple. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. Gotcha. But, yeah. But I mean, at least in the in the Earth Nation, they apparently they're they're they identify the avatar. But until they're 16, they kind of just like make sure they're comfortable in the right place, you know, stuff like that. So they can be sort of like groomed to be the avatar by the age of 16. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Cool. All right. On to chapter two. Nine years later. So we have this little time jump. We meet Kiyoshi, who is now a servant at, at the uh, Avatar Mansion. She is transporting a jar of pickled spicy kelp, which I don't know what it is, but it sounds good, uh, to the mansion until she is pretty much ambushed by three other teenagers, Alma, Suzu, and Jay, which I think these are also kids that were tested in Chapter 1. Yes, I remember. I definitely remember. The, uh, how, how do you pronounce her name again? Oh, I think it's one. Alma. Alma? She was definitely mentioned in the first chapter for sure. Yeah. Um. I also wanted to say it's so weird to hear the word Avatar Mansion. It does not sound right like, to me. Like you know, yeah. I was gonna say like Avatar State. Like it like, sounds too much like Avatar State. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was thinking. I was just because like I don't know like the Avatar always kind of felt like it was someone who was kind of uh you know this person who kind of as a nomad in a way would go around the nation mm-hmm. and stuff which we did see with like ang obviously air nomad duh but like even with cora she didn't really have like even, uh, the compound until she turned like what th- how six seventeen when cora starts yeah something like, like that just how much just like you know i don't know the avatar like i always thought the avatar kind of had like even if they did have a home it wouldn't be much of like a mansion you know yeah it feels too just especially, especially Jeff Jeff a spiritual Bezos. leader yeah, she's supposed to be a spiritual leader, like living in a mansion. Yeah, and it kind of, it right. kind of, um, it kind of dovetails into like Jinju's character and what we find about him later. But yeah, definitely. At first, I, the first time I read that, I was like, Avatar Mansion. Yeah. Avatar State. What is this? Why does why do they have a full like staff of servants? And I, I don't know. It was weird. Um, yeah. But yeah. Hmm. So at the, at the very beginning of the chapter, Kiyoshi reminds herself to use neutral Jing to ignore um like the you know the teenagers the ambushing her um which i thought let me look i feel like i know that word let me go look at the avatar wiki and uh neutral jing is apparently the key to earthbending so it is fundamentally um neutral jing involves listening though seemingly doing nothing and waiting for the right moment to strike which funnily enough is what toff was known for in the main show and i believe this is what um Boomy tells Aang in season two, like you need to find someone who waits and listens and then strikes and something like or something like that. But I thought that was I thought that was really cool to to include. Um, and then so she gets ambushed. Alma makes a point of reminding Kiyoshi that she is an orphan. Rude. I got Rude. A, I got a talking point about that later. Sure. About, the fa- about family relations. So yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. But put a pin in that the orphan cool. stuff. <laughs> and. As I was reading this, I I realized that the way Kiyoshi handles herself is, like, very out of character for an earthbender. Like, she doesn't incite the conflict or lash out. She's very reserved. She's very – she's got a strong handle on her emotions, um, even though she does let something slip out that, you know, she thinks they're going to beat her up for. But, I mean, like, I'm thinking of any other earthbender that would be in the situation, like Toph or something like that. And I feel like they would, like, immediately be like, all right, let's fight then. Like – what do you want to do? Like, why are you saying all this shit to me, you know? And there, th- this is a small thing, but we learned that Jinju is Ganjanese, which is, as we know, is one of the tribes that we see in the Great ah, Divide episode. Exactly. So that really helps sort of shape my uh, mental image of what this guy looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very, like, posh and prim and stuff like that. Um, they enter the Avatar estate where we meet a firebender, firebender named Rongi, who manages to intimidate the teens picking on Kyoshi and gets them to leave. Um, her description is really interesting. In her fi- form-fitting armor, the color of onyx and dried blood, she could have been a vengeful spirit come to cleanse a battlefield of the living. Kiss so- <laughs> the little gay guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, yes, love that. <laughs> um, 
And we also find out that not only is she a firebender, she is Avatar Yun's bodyguard. And at first I was like, Avatar who? Avatar. Yeah, like, that, that ain't right. I was like, who? Who's that? <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, no. Well, I also got to say, though, I definitely had Yun's char- Yun's par- character paired wrong. Uh, not, not paired. What's the right word? Uh, pegged wrong. That's the right word for it. But we'll get into that in a second. You, what do you mean? Like, your uh, impression of him was, was off thought, or what? I thought he was going to. I mean, like, just based on, like, the synopsis of the book of, like, mm. how there's, you know, they picked an avatar, uh, you know, like that's that ends up not being the case. You know, Kiyoshi's the avatar all along, uh, as we as we will find out in the book. But um, just I kind of assumed that he'd be kind of a jerk, honestly, mm. as the person who's the kind of been the av- who's being the avatar and that is makes not sense. the real one. But we'll get into Yun's character in just a few minutes, though. Cool. Um, as Alma leaves, she shoots the jar of pickled kelp into the air, and Rongi urges Kiyoshi to catch it with her earthbending. Um, Kiyoshi can't because of a little problem, as the book describes, and instead protects Rongi from the incoming jar. Did I miss something? Did Does the book talk about what this little problem is, or is that something we're not so. meant to know yet? I think we're not supposed to know yet, but personally, just I thought it was interesting that Kiyoshi's not that great of an earthbender right now. At least as far as I, as in like she's like she says something like I'm not that great at earthbending or something like that. Uh, like says she can't and something mm-hmm. along the lines of that. But like I, I just thought that was interesting because you know the fandom has this image of Kiyoshi being like you know basically the Chuck Norris of the Avatar universe, and then seeing her not, you know, be that way right away. Definitely yeah. pretty interesting. <laughs> I think it. I think it's interesting, but it all. I mean, it also makes sense. I mean, where else is she? Where is she supposed to get her training? There you, you know? go. I feel mm-hmm. like we sometimes in the Avatar fandom we're like, oh, this person's a bender, so they automatically know how what to like doing. bend everything. I'm like, it's like learning anything. Like even though they have the the ability, they might not know the forms and the techniques and stuff like that. They might know things that they've probably figured out, but. I mean, yeah. So I, I think it was interesting because, like, again, like she's sixteen. Where else is she supposed to get? Her training, but it's, I guess it's something, it feels like either Jinju or, uh, what's the other, uh, Auntie Mew or something like that told her not to ever use earthbending on the premises or something like that. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that they were mentioning, like, I mean, they'll, they'll talk more about it later because there's a training scene later, uh, with Yun, but the, uh, they mentioned some of the different stances, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because they mentioned like Alma using the certain stance and then transitioning to this stance. I thought that was super cool because it really did tap into the martial arts aspect yeah. of bending. And I thought that was really cool to see that, like that kind of detail put in there. Yeah, definitely. I really like that. Especially because we can't see it. Especially because we can't really, you know, we don't see it, you know, to imagine these things. We don't just get to see it plainly like we do in the show. So it's really cool right. to hear, like, the descriptions for the, just the different stances. That well, I'm also interested, like, from here on out, I'm interested to see, like, what, uh, like, be- like any sort of battle with bending involved is going to read like. Because, I mean, I would imagine it's very hard to, to write that specific kind of action, you know? Like, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be like and then she went to this stance and then they use that stance like I, i'm just interested to see how he decides to write that kind of action because that is yeah. a big part of avatar so so instead of catching it with her earth bending she instead protects rongi from the incoming jar and Aww. this is where things get a little gay <laughs> there's some tension um it's it. very it's yeah it's very um it's like almost kind of like enemies to lovers but like they're already kind of friends but they're like very like 
I don't know. Butt heads. They butt heads a lot. I think it's I think it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, But just before the jar can be, uh, you know, destroyed on the ground, um, the jar is saved as Avatar Yun bends it from a distance. And he also manages to create messages with small stones, which is, I think, really funny. And I think it um, in terms of like a character introduction, I think it sets him up pretty well. You know, he's very playful, very laid back kind of guy. Um, and that's not what I was expecting. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Character, I thought he would kind of be an asshole, like I mentioned. So it's kind of nice seeing like, you know, it was our first introduction to him, not even seeing him. Yeah. Uh, but next chapter changes that. But, you know, just having him be introduced through pebbles. <laughs> right. Exactly. And this is the interesting thing that I'm excited about is that this isn't something we've ever seen in Avatar. Like someone using earth to spell out legible messages were almost almost legible um <laughs> um so you also get the sense that he's a really powerful bender and it kind of makes sense maybe why people would think he's the avatar you know exactly. um, well i mean forget you know forget throwing rocks at someone's window you know throw one rock and then have them look down forget the boom box you know you could have the you know <laughs> exactly. pebbles sing <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um uh, as Kiyoshi and Rongi return to the estate, Rongi blows up at Kiyoshi, calling her pathetic for not being able to confront the teens that ambushed her. Kiyoshi just kind of shrugs it off because this is, again, she's just, just like, this is my friend. This is how she acts. You know, I don't take it personally. And instead, she tells Rongi that she's thankful to have strong heroes who protect her, which makes Rongi gag. <laughs> which I just, again, I just love so the, the playfulness of, so of, cute. of oh, the I chapter. Cannot wait to, I cannot wait to see more of them. They, they, uh, they already have some good chemistry, you know. I love that. And, and it also said something like, Kiyoshi was too distracted because like her armor was like kind of lopsided and she could like see some of her clavicle or something like that. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so gay. That I is love so it. gay. That is <laughs> so gay. <laughs> I love it. I also wanted to say that real quick though, before uh, we go, uh, before we do the ad break, uh, cause like Kiyoshi, Kiyoshi says and tells Rongi that she's grateful for strong heroes like her who protect her. Again, that's like kind of contrasting what, you know, what we know about Kiyoshi. I know she'll eventually become this awesome badass avatar, but, but I just got to say, it's very cool to see, you know, going against the expectation of what she's going to be like, that she's going to be, right. this, you know, tough, badass warrior from the get go. Right. And maybe even she takes some of that from Rongi, you know, maybe, maybe. she adopts some of that behavior. Maybe there will be a breaking point where she's actually finally the avatar. And Rongi's like, you got to be more like, you know, get shit done, you know, <laughs> so. I don't know. I'm really excited. But yeah, those are the first two chapters of Rise of Kiyoshi. Uh, we will come back with chapter three and four after this quick ad break. And we're back. So chapter three of the Rise of Kiyoshi, the boy from Makapu. So at this point, we meet Avatar Yun, who saved the jar. And we're now watching and he was watching uh, Kiyoshi and Ranji interact. And he thinks that they're cute together. So he was watching instead of training. Uh, so he has been he's getting chewed out by his fire instructor, Heiren, who is Rangi's mom. Uh, and you know, it definitely is like, as we learned, he is struggling with firebending, which is the next part of the avatar cycle, which in the next element for him to learn. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not because he's not trying. It's as we've seen the chapter, uh, Yun describes that his image had to be carefully groomed and maintained spirits forbid he, he appear human for a moment, which yeah that's a really kind of critical line right there um, there is yeah there is a lot to his character right off the bat 
the one thing that surprised me is that he isn't in on it. Like, he thinks he is the Avatar. Which makes me wonder, though, do, like, the other, like, masters that are teaching him, so, like, you know, Jinju and, you know, Kelsong, like, do they know that he might not be the Avatar, or do they have 100% faith in this? I'm going to make a prediction. I think the only person that knows he is not the Avatar is Jinju. I think so, too. I think that's the only person, which makes what he does at the end of the chapter really shitty. Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone thinks that this guy is the Avatar. And I'm interested interested to see how this all happened. Yeah. And with that line saying, like, God forbid he appeared, you know, spirits forbid he forbid, you know, he appear human for a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, it really showed, like, the pressures of being the Avatar. Even before there was, like, mass media, like in Korra, like, Korra had to deal with pressure from, you know, from media, uh, you know, as her every move was broadcasted to Republic City and to the world. Um, You know, this is before stuff like that even existed. So, you know, it really does show exactly how much pressure the avatar is constantly under even when even before cameras existed you know even before you know wide circulating newspapers existed which also shows exactly how much pressure core was under as the avatar which we will we will we'll get into that eventually right yeah <laughs> so anyway he was thinking about how much work he had to do with figuring out the being the avatar so he was he's doing a lot of studying he's studying avatar you know the work supreme's avatars uh history of the world i mean I thought originally thought that I would compare uh, Yun's upbringing to Korra's, which, you know, I thought that they were sort of holed up in this comfortable lifestyle and didn't mm-hmm. really interact with their outside world as the Avatar. However, uh, it is described later that he does get more outside time than Korra did, uh, you know, with Kelsong and his Air Bison, Peng Peng, which, by the way, is the cute, one of the cutest names I've ever heard. What is it with Air Bison having super cute freaking names? I love it. I love, I love that it so much, though. I think um, I think the only uh, um I think they are kind of similar. I don't I also don't see Cora like pouring over history textbooks and like memorizing all the names of the water tribe chiefs. Um <laughs> but no. I think that that feels well, her, like more her like her dad and her uncle are the chiefs of the water tribe. Are those the only people that she needs to know? <laughs> right. That feels like I don't know, it kind of feels like he kind of took that upon himself. Like I don't think someone made him do all that. Like I think he's like really invested in his avatarhood. Like I think, I think he's he would really go out of his way to. That's just based on what little we do actually know about him right now. Yeah. We know quite a bit, but not you know that much detail. But anyway, uh, so then Jinju shows up and he invites you to take a break because again he's struggling with firebending. Um, and you know. Heyran's having kind of a hard time with him. And I mean, she is from a military background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of to be expected with her style of training him. Um, and he invites Yun to come take a break with him. So he makes a makeshift pie show board in the dust of the room that they're hanging out in. And apparently, Yun's been banned from playing pie show because it would distract him from avatar duties, which I thought was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, like, the same thing kind of happened to Aang, remember? Yeah, like when he was playing was Pai Show with Monkey Yatso and that one airbender came in and he's like, this is distracting him from his Avatar studies, you know? Yeah. It was like Pai Show. Like the, yeah, I mean, I, I'm making I'm trying to make a video game joke here about like these kids and their Pai Show games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, Jonju isn't, uh, you know, a... Uh, airbender but he does sort of adopt sort of some of the culture's values a little bit with like letting him you know Jinju having fun with uh you know with him it's just like you know he kind of adapted some of the uh 
airbender culture with like letting him have some fun kind of subverting things right. a little bit i thought that was interesting which maybe is as rubbed off from from Kelsong a little bit you know yeah exactly um and then jinju tells about uh to Tagaka, who is the leader of the seaboring uh so pirates basically uh the avatar wiki describes them as these organized groups of outlaws in the earth kingdom who have these codes of honor and conduct and their own traditions another word that they use to describe them are the fifth nation so mm-hmm. the organized crime and all that stuff so he tells them that the leader of the basically the pirates let's be honest uh has agreed to sign a treaty because of yun's abilities as an earth render um and you know they mean kind of like a mini flashback to one of his outings uh where he saw that a whole village was taken by these uh these Daofi, and the earth king wasn't going to do shit about it is that like a common theme of the earth king or earth ruler just not being a, an effective leader is that I just guess so. it's like the third time we've seen this <laughs> i mean remember in uh, in chapter one they didn't they didn't um, agree to help uh, Jinju and Kelsong retrieve the Avatar relic that Kyoshi stole either. Like, yeah. so what are they doing? <laughs> like, what are what, you doing besides is, you know eating besides wasting people's tax money? Right, exactly. I don't, I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see more of this sort of thing later, but I just but wanted to is, point that out. Yeah, but this is really the really interesting the the idea that they want to sign a treaty with with the Dafei because of Yun's abilities, like. Again, it feels like very like um, figure heavy. Like, I-, I just think it's interesting just how much of an influence the Avatar can have. You know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. I don't. Yeah. This kind of thing didn't end up working in Korra. Remember, like, she couldn't get President Raiko to do anything. Um, couldn't get the Earth Queen, really Queen to do anything. You know, like it was. It's very interesting how how that that um, has sort of changed over the years. But yeah. The influence is really like just it's cool to see that the different like, how much you know like I like I mentioned before I don't know if I mentioned this before but one of the things I was really looking forward to is seeing how the role of the Avatar was different in a different mm-hmm. time period like something hundreds of years before Avatar and Korra took place so you get to yeah, see that the, here and his and his like um the way he comes up with with how to deal with this I mean it's really paradoxical because he is in some ways the perfect Avatar in all the ways that don't really matter. Like, the mm-hmm. diplomacy part matters, but, like, the fact that, again, he, can't he cannot bring bend. balance to the four nations because he could not bring balance to the four elements. Like, that is mm-hmm. the main disconnect. So, That's it's, a good it's point. really... And it also makes you wonder if, 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 if times were that desperate, could they just name someone the Avatar without them actually being the avatar like well, we're about to find out right <laughs> yeah i'm that's what i'm really interested to see like how long will this go on you know exactly when is kiyoshi going to you know kind of reveal her abilities well i mean at the end of chapter four we do kind of see some something fishy going on mm-hmm. well at least you know we'll see Anyway, so Yun comes up with a plan to deal with the the Daofi, which impresses which impresses uh, Jinju, who says that he is everything that Kurok wasn't. Mm. Which I like. We keep getting references to Avatar Kurok, and now I want to get you know a story based on him because he only lived, he only died when he was like what, like thirty something years old. Thirty three, yeah. Thirty three. So the book says that he he describes. Uh, so you know. Yun's thinking about uh, Avatar Korok, and he says that he squandered his time pursuing pleasures around the Ford Nations and died early. Uh, so that means so, he was a huge whore, right? Like, yeah, Avatar Korok was a man whore? <laughs> yeah, but I wonder how much of that is true. You know? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, this whole thing is super like Jinju is like basically grooming him. You know, like, oh, you're doing so, – you're, like, connected to the earth and, like, you're doing great. You're just the the perfect person for this. Um, I, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And then – well, then, like, Yin's thinking as he says that he squandered uh, – that, you know, that his predecessor squandered his time pursuing pleasures around the Four Nations and died early. So then he thinks, so I guess that means I'll be unhappy and live forever. <laughs> right. Well, Kiyoshi did end up being, I think, the longest living avatar, if not one of the longest living avatars. That we so know of. That, that we, we know, know of. of. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I, I don't know, just just a, just a little thought, you know, just picking up some little Kiyoshi, you know, stuff that we know about Kiyoshi foreshadowing stuff in, like, right. the text. Maybe I'm drawing a little too much. Um, And then, basically, at the end of the chapter, uh, you know, uh, his firebending, earthbending teachers, you know, Jinju and uh, Heiron. So he, he basically, they basically ask him to run across nails to unlock the other elements. Like basically, like run, like basically run across like nails to get the like to get him to tap tap into fire or some shit like that. I'm like, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it was it was um, like it was the final nail in the coffin in some ways because like nail. I was getting really like slimy vibes from Jinju when he was talking to Yun. Yeah. And and I didn't get any of that in the first chapter. Like I thought no, he was. I thought I he mean, had good intentions. I think yeah, I thought he had good intentions. But obviously, something happened in these nine years, and he. Uh, it's just it was very a lot weird. can happen in one year, as we all saw. Like imagine what's going to happen in nine years from now. Right, right. <laughs> we'll still yeah. be doing this podcast probably. And it was it was very. <laughs> it, it's almost like. Yun also says, like, what are you going to make her do? Like, like shoot fire at my feet. He's like, oh, nothing's so crude. And then he's and then like, says, nope, I want you to nails. run across nails instead. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I had to read that part two times to comprehend that. I'm like, yeah, I was like, wait, what, what is this? Wait, what are you doing? What are you making him do right now? And if and if you know Jinju actually knows that you know Yun's not actually the Avatar, that's a really fucking shitty thing to do. I know, and it said he was like fighting back tears. Like you're like, oh my god, like this is crazy. Poor kid, holy yeah. shit. Again, he's only again sixteen. You know, sixteen year old kid. Oh my god, crazy. All right, well that ends chapter three with Yun having to run across fucking nails. Ooh. <laughs> Ow. So, this goes into chapter four, Honest Work, uh, which we are back into Kiyoshi's point of view. Uh, the garden at the mansion uh, has a mixture of people from all four nations, all of these, you know, really powerful benders, all kind of just hanging around. You know, I guess there's some of them, I guess, are supposed to be Yun's teachers, perhaps. Um, so, uh, Kiyoshi's trying to get into the kitchen to deliver his uh, deliver the what was she trying to deliver to the kitchen when she got like you know the spicy kelp the pickle spicy, spicy kelp. kelp yeah she got some spicy kelp with her that she's gonna bring to the kitchen uh, and she we meet the kitchen uh, staff you know the head of the kitchen staff Auntie Mui I think pronounced the name how do you mm-hmm. pronounce it that's Mui? how I pronounced it okay Auntie Mui who uh, then tells Kiyoshi that you get girl wear concealer I can see your freckles uh, and Kiyoshi's like like you know like she's like the concealer makes me look like a bloodless ghost and then I'm thinking is this the makeup foreshadowing that because Kiyoshi's known for having you know a full painted face you I know? think it is I think it's it's gonna end up being a means of disguise I think so too yeah mm-hmm. this makes I mean especially with how like chapter four ends I'm very excited to see where this goes from here yeah uh but we haven't gotten to the end of chapter four yet so anyway we see uh Kelsong working in the kitchen because uh Jinju thought that his presence was distracting Yun from learning firebending because he's an airbender and like the playful ways Mm -hmm. of the airbender culture was distracting him 
uh, and wanting him, making him want to skip ahead to airbending. And honestly, considering how the firebending teacher in te- treats him, and like how, how like you know, they want to make him run across fucking nails to unlock firebending, I don't blame him for wanting to learn airbending next. Like exactly, exactly. But can I can I just also say, Kelsong is like such like that like fun grandpa. I, want, I wish she was like, grandpa. At, like, family I would like another grandpa. I could always that, like, use another grandpa. Yeah, that, like, gives you, like, money, like, you know. <laughs> Cookies when your mom's not looking, Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I love him. Yeah, well, he's working in the, yes, he's working in the kitchen, and Kiyoshi helps him cook. And we kind of find out more about his relationship with Kiyoshi. Uh, so, remember that pin I mentioned earlier about, mm-hmm. you know, her being an orphan? Yeah. Let's take that pin out and let's talk about it because we find out that, that he essentially raised Kiyoshi and he's the reason why she has a job at this mansion. Uh, obviously, they're very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a quote that I thought was really cool, but not really just really cool, like actually kind of an important quote. In a part of the Earth Kingdom where love was reserved solely for blood relations, the monk from a foreign land was the dearest person in the world to Kiyoshi. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you see, like, the airbenders, um, you know, with, like, Monk Yatsa, even though he wasn't, like, related to Aang by blood, he basically was Aang's, you know, father figure, um, you know, kind of showing, you know, just kind of shows, like, the airbenders' values there, too. But also kind of, like, kind of, dare I say, foils to, uh, <laughs> you know, Aang and Monk Yatsa's relationship a little bit. I and Avatar so and their father figure airbender. Yeah, you I, know, didn't th- I didn't think of that. Master. Yeah. Oh my god, I thought of a foil before you did! <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You I got, got me. you. Oh, I'm catching up to you eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to have this sort of chosen family sort of approach, and that's really sweet. Uh, Jinju and uh, Kelsong's relationship has kind of gone downhill, as we find out, uh, because of Jinju's relationship to the Avatar. Now he gives him some power, so mm. he's kind of a slimy bastard. Um, I'm getting kind of some vibes of like Long Feng and the Earth King. Did you get that? Nope, not until I read this note. <laughs> not until <laughs> That's I read kind of that the note. vibes that I was getting. I was like, like, like oh, and that kind of gives us a, more of a hint how this Avatar Yun thing happened. Like, I think he very quickly saw how much power because it, it says in the first chapter like he uh, by this point he should have been the avatar's right hand man and should have been already like training them and stuff like that and i, I it, it makes sense like all this wealth and influence and it even says at some point like any important documents that needed to be signed came back with his signature exactly rather than, like the earth king signature or something like that so i, I was like, definitely Shay. like shady shady i had some shady shit right there yeah uh yeah so they've kind of so jin you know so jinju and kelsong's relationship they're kind of you know fragmented kind of like falling apart a little bit over the years and we see why uh which makes it very interesting about this whole long thing in the earth king kind of parallel because we're about to get into season two earth of avatar after we're finished with kiyoshi so Mm. it'll be interesting to kind of look at the earth kingdom in a you know kind of you know, and a different, like in this way, and kind of seeing what kind of conditions led to what we see of the Earth Kingdom in season two. So, right, yeah, is that to look forward to? But we still got Kiyoshi first, and I'm very excited to keep going. Um, anyway, so Auntie Mui then calls for everyone to share poetry, and then proceeds to roast the first person <laughs> who tries to share poetry. Uh, and then Kelsong joins in, and he starts reciting this raunchy sea shanty, which basically, as far as I can tell from this like game that they kind of play with poetry and sea shanties and singing and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the like assumption song. Like they start thinking, you know, like you're singing. Have you ever heard of that on YouTube? No. It's basically like you think that they're going to say a bad word. 
And then they end up saying, like, so for example, like the song goes, there was an old farmer who lived on a rock. Uh, you know, he stared, he sat in the meadow just shaking his fist at some boys who were, you know, like. Got so it. So that kind of seems to be the vibe of the songs that they're singing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I interpreted it, you know, interpreted it as. Uh, just look at the assumptions on song on YouTube. It's very funny. I saw it when I was like 13. I only got like like two of the words they were about to say. And it's very funny. But anyway, back to the the, the song game in the kitchen. They all can, the others kind of carry on after Kelsong kind of made it, you know, goofier. And then it's Kiyoshi's turn, and she kind of gets, uh, describes a little bit of Rangi a little bit. I don't know about you, but I think she's gay. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think she's gay. Um, she's I actually, a, can, I read, can I read what yeah, um, go for it. Kiyoshi sings? Um, so the first one she says, uh, I don't know if this is the first one, but um, I've got two knives that are cast in bronze. They pierce all the way to the soul. They draw you in with the promise of sin, like the moth to the flame to the coal. So I've pretty. got hair like the starless night. It sticks to my lips when I smile. I'll wind it with yours and we'll drift off course in a ship touching hearts all the while. Holy For the shit. way I walk is a lantern lit that leads you into the night. I'll hold you close and love you the most until our end is in sight. Like that's beautiful so it takes like, a turn <laughs> it takes a very dark turn i mean it's beautiful but it gets a dark kind of a yeah. dark kind of turn well he, she's not the only one that's noticing it's kind of a dark turn but she's kind of and she said she was improvising that last verse mm-hmm. uh you know she said that she kind of it was like sort of like a dark love song like he just you know like he just read and then Kelsong's demeanor completely changes from this goofy, you know, happy-go-lucky yeah. person to grabbing her arm, drawing blood, and actually, like, hurting her and saying, like, where'd you learn that song? Like, he, yeah, you know, and you're just, like, just you're completely like, 180 change. Like, you know, we have, we, we, we were honest. We did not read ahead to chapter five, even though it ends on the cliffhanger. Cause that's no, like, like, I was like, as- I turned the page and said chapter five, and I was like, <laughs> Kelsey, you know, as soon as Kelsey said, like, literally the chapter ends on Kelsong saying, Where'd you learn that song? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, we, we were honest and did not read ahead. It gave me like, very the, much, um, Did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire? Did vibes? you put your name into the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore that's, that's said, the calmly. Kind of, uh, yeah, the cadence and intonation is which I was reading. But it, it says in the book, it was as if another person, someone much more at ease with their own desires, was feeding her the right lines to express herself. So do we think this is this is correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, his partner was kind of an important part of his backstory, you mm. know? I mean, if you remember in the show, Code the Face here brags about stealing his girlfriend's face, you know? So Yeah, and it does say I've got hair like the Starless Night, so it's like long black hair, which is what we we see when Ko uses her face essentially. So yeah, I def- definitely think. I mean, it also kind of makes sense. I feel like Kelsong wouldn't live that long to maybe be around uh, Avatar Yangchen. Um, but yeah, yeah. I also think with um, you know, the which is a kind of she, what was the, how'd you describe it? Like when she says that like like the how she improvised it, like so that someone who is much more at ease with their desires. Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um kind of based off of the small description we have of Korok of someone who, you know, traveled the world, we kind of describe him as a hoe a little bit. Right. So yeah, you can definitely see that's a little bit of him kind of sliding in there, sliding into the, into her voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, if you don't remember the backstory for, uh, you know, the, what we do know of Avatar Korok's backstory with his, with his, uh, well, almost wife, uh, it was right before they got married. She was lured to the spirit world and had her face stolen by Ko. So, uh, I hope they kind of touch more on, you know, 
will they touch more on Korok's backstory because you know how like important what his legacy is to Kiyoshi's story. I mean, I think we will. I think we will see Kiyoshi talk to Avatar Korok. I kind of hope they do. Uh, she does. If she doesn't, I'll be sad. But this is another book, so you know, there's yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to uh point out two things that happened earlier in the chapter that I thought was kind of funny. Um, so there is this line in the very beginning of the chapter, and tell me if this um this guy sounds familiar. Um, inside the vast garden hummed with conversation, sages and dignitaries from far off lands constantly flowed in and out of the estate. And many of them enjoyed conducting their businesses among the flowers and sweet-smelling fruit trees. An overdressed merchant from Amashu haggled with the Fire Nation procurement officer over cabbage futures, ah! ignoring the cherry blossom petals falling to their tea. They did not oh put cabbage guy. They did. They did. Oh, my God. I completely missed that. Oh, I love it. I was like, cabbage guy? Cabbage guy? Or, you know, Cabbage Guy's great-grandfather or something like that. Yeah, is one of his ancestors. Does he oh, have he's bad luck? everywhere. Does he have bad luck with cabbages? <laughs> like, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> he is everywhere. Oh, my God. I thought that was so funny. And I then this this uh, um, little paragraph about um, Kiyoshi's, like, feelings about, like, the beauty standards of Yokoya. Um, about the only things Kiyoshi hated more than gunk on her skin were the warped, infuriating values that the older folks like Auntie Mui held around complexion. It was yet another contradiction of the village that you should make an honest living toiling under the sun, but never in the slightest look like it. In the game of rural Yokoyan beauty standards, Kiyoshi had lost that particular round, among others. And I, had, uh, for some reason, uh, that just stuck out to me because it's uh, it's still still something that plagues our society to this day. Um, and I think it's interesting that um, something like the Avatar universe also has that kind of uh, issue, societal issue that they have to deal with. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's kind of funny because then she's going to have to use that sort of use that makeup. That's what she's known. One of the things that she's known for is using that makeup that's used to cover up her freckles to, yeah. I guess, maybe disguise herself. I don't know yet. We'll find out. But everything is about to change because of kiyoshi's song yeah all right well that concludes chapter four tune in next week to find out exactly what happens next and we're about to find out exactly what happens next what a great start to that any other thoughts on chapter four like chapters three and four i i i want to say this it's very i have a problem like um like with reading because i've lost that muscle for a while and I was as I was reading, I was like, thank God, this is really easy to follow. It's really easy <laughs> to read. And even though I was kind of like rereading some portions and jotting some notes down, I felt like I was getting the full breadth of the story. And I'm just I'm really excited to read more of it. In fact, probably when we're finished recording, I'm probably gonna go and read chapters five through eight. Like I'm very yeah. excited to see what happens next. Exactly, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, well, tune in next week to find out, you know, our thoughts on the next couple of chapters. And if you're reading along with us, um, don't spoil it in the comments, I guess, if you're posting on social media about it. That is a good, that is a good point. I mean, we'll, we'll remind everyone again on the social media. But yeah, we are reading this for the first time ever. So we would appreciate it if... Um, if you guys left out any spoilers and like, especially because we're going to, like especially because we're making predictions on the show. 
Uh, we're right. trying to make our own predictions, you know, try to see exactly how much of them come true later. So please don't confirm or deny that any of the stuff that we say, yes. you know, we, we want to find out for ourselves and then freak out if it happens or doesn't happen. Right, I think it's exactly. more entertaining that way. You know, don't you agree? Yeah. <laughs> entertaining for us and for those who are listening to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. 1000%. Yeah. Exactly. So that is our first episode on Kiyoshi, Rise of Kiyoshi, which is awesome. And let's transition into Fandom Corner. So uh, this is a screenshot from Reddit where someone did a full count of how many times both avatars had used their bending when watching uh, Korra and Atla. Um, And they have like pie charts and everything wow i know this was i i don't remember when i found this but it was in our folder so i decided to use it but Mm -hmm. i thought this was really cool we're good we can share it on our um on our socials but so yeah they've basically um counted how many times ang and cora used the four elements in each season and some of them is uh, some of the results is kind of shocking um, particularly, um, season three of Korra, Korra only uses waterbending six times. She's technically a water tribe person. What the? I know. And she, and so I for mean, season, f- in season one, she uses waterbending 90 times, season two, 33, and season four, 12. But firebending ends up being the most used element I knew Korra. that, but seeing the number for it, I mean, I knew that she definitely kind of defaulted to fire, even though she's, you know, technically waterbender first. Yeah. Like, I, 221 total times in the entire series, she used firebending. Yeah. And looking at Aang in season one, he used um, airbending 357 times. Well, I mean, it's book one. <laughs> you know, I guess, right. you know, he doesn't have any other elements to really go off of. Right. He is uh, season one. He used waterbending 26 times and obviously firebending. He used that one time that he burned Katara. Um, but yeah, but between um, in Atla, obviously Aang uses air, airbending the most for 668 times. And he uses firebending the least 27 times. And in Korra, she uses firebending 221 times, which is the most. And the least, the lesser element she uses is air, which is 140 times. But that's really close to the 141 times she uses waterbending. So, hmm. yeah, shout out to this guy on Reddit that, that did a full rewatch of both in. shows and was also keeping count of how many uh, times they were using the elements. I mean, we're going to be keeping track of things, too, once we started watching Atlas. I'm going to keep track of every time that note hits when Azula shows up on screen. <laughs> that's right. We're going to have the Azula <laughs> bell counter. I'm excited for that. <laughs> So we're going to be keeping track as well. We're going to be keeping track of that as well. (laughs) So I think that's it for Fandom Corner. We just, I think we've, I think we've exhausted that. We'll definitely be posting the picture on social so that way you can see what we're talking about. So you can pull that up while you're listening to the episode. Cool. So just a last reminder again, if you would like to subscribe to us on Patreon to receive more Avatar Hour bonus content, you can find us at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. We do have our first episode of the Avatar After Hour for our $5 Air Acolyte patri- patrons, where we react to and discuss Cinnamon Wins' YouTube video, Everything Great About the Last Airbender Movie. So we're really excited for you guys to listen to that. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us to send in feedback for the show or send some content for Fandom Corner, or even just send us memes, we'll repost memes. We love Avatar memes. We can always use a good laugh. Uh, yeah, if you want to send us stuff, you can follow us on our social media channels. So on Facebook and Instagram, we are at the Avatar Hour Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at Avatar Hour. Yeah. And if you'd like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at hey, it's underscore Andre. And you can find me on Twitter at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. 
And that is our first recap episode of FCE's The Rise of Kiyoshi chapters 1 through 4. And we will be back next week for chapters 5 through 8. That's going to be really exciting. All right. I hope you guys have a good week. Stay safe out there. And yeah, we love you guys. See you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.